Good morning. Oh, you know, there was a movie once where a guy said, Good morning, Vietnam. But I'll say, Good morning, Lexington Christian Church. <laughs> oh, it's good to see everybody here. And uh, we know we have some that are out with some uh, illness. Bob couldn't be with us this morning and Mike Higgins, so we keep them in our prayers. And uh, so... I guess I'll be leading uh, the whole worship service today, and uh, so hopefully I don't mess it up too bad. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so I guess the first thing on the agenda is, is anybody celebrating a birthday this past week? No birthdays? How about anniversaries? No anniversaries. Okay. Okay. All right, then our announcements are Lexington uh, Hysteric, uh, Historical Society. I knew that was going to happen sooner or later. <laughs> Meets in the Fellowship Hall on the fourth Monday of each month, which is what, next week? So a week from tomorrow night, uh, February 27. The meeting will feature Phil Bundy with tales about Morgan Foods. I'm glad it's not Ted Bundy. Um, he would have some different kind of tales. And of course, Wayne wants to know who in the Bible knew the most people. Abraham knew a lot. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> well, we're ready for our opening hymn, which is uh, 540, if you want to uh, turn to it in your hymnals. Mark, I'm depending on the screen, so... Please keep it going. <laughs> uh, send the light, number 540. There's a call coming.
Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Well, let's all bow together and we will have our opening prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for your many, many blessings. Thank you, Lord. It's a privilege that we can come here to your house, that we can gather in your name freely without fear of being raided and uh, beaten or incarcerated. We have brothers and sisters around the world who fear for their very lives just because they love you. So we ask you to bless them today. Be with them. Send the Spirit. Send the light. Lord, help them help us. Lord, we come seeking a word from you. We come seeking your presence in a manifested way that is so magnificent and so awesome, so overpowering that we just feel your love. Lord, we ask that you come. Come be with us this morning. Bless every heart. Bless every mind. Draw us closer. Ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father... Who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you for standing, I forgot. <laughs> okay, so um, we are ready for uh, our uh, encouragement hymn here. <laughs> it's uh, uh, faith is the victory, and you know that's so true. Our faith gets us through things that we never thought we could come through. Uh, and I thank God for that. It's 519 in the hymn if you're using your book. Faith is the victory. Encamped on
Amen. He that is in me is greater than he that is in this world. Thank you, Jesus. All right, and now we are ready for our communion hymn, which is number 248, Blessed Redeemer. my Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, it's time for our communicate, uh, communion 
meditation, not medication. <laughs> For some of us, if we've sinned during the week, it might be us taking our medicine. <laughs> uh, meditation and prayer by John Clemick. Brother? Today I'm going to read from uh, Romans 8, verse 31 through 39. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares, accuse, who dares accuses us whom God has chosen for his own? Amen. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither or our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. People go through hard times. Life has a way of doing this to all of us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this verse, had been through lots of trouble, unjust persecution, famine, false arrest, shipwreck, threat of murder, and so much more. Yet he remained confident in the truth that God's love knows no end. There isn't anything that we have done, should have done, or that's been done to us that can keep us from God loving us. Amen. His love is constant and unstoppable. Know that the Lord is with you today and loves you beyond measure. Let us pray. We praise you, Lord, because love is a part of your very essence. Help us to trust your commitment to our well-being even when life is hard and painful. And make us special agents of your love to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. We can't turn our back on our, our Lord because He does love us, even though we don't act like we love Him. Amen. Yeah. Far too often we're guilty of not showing that we love Him. We say it, but do we live it? All right. As we prepare for our uh, communion, let's take a moment of silence and reflect on our 
lives can think of this love of God and how we are not just receiving it, but how are we sharing it? On the night before Jesus was crucified, he was in the upper room with the disciples. And after the meal, he took the bread, he broke it, passed it among them and said, this is my body. Take, eat, all of you. Likewise, afterwards, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant given for sin. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology, please. may be seated. Uh, we're going to do uh, Victory in Jesus, number 511, here in just a minute, but I want to share for just a second. There is a revival that, if you haven't heard, is broke out at Asbury University. That is uh, where Herman went to college, and that is where his home base for his mission is. Uh, he'll be going there uh, later on today or tomorrow. Some others are going. That has spread to uh, one other college, possibly two, maybe three by now. This may be the beginning, folks, of what we've been prophesying and what we've been looking for. Uh, this could be the beginning of a new awakening, great awakening. So pray. Pray that it comes here. If he can give revival there, he can give it here and anywhere and everywhere. So as we sing victory in Jesus, think of revival. All right.
God is good. All the time. Amen. Wow. Did you ever stop to think where you would be without him? Might already be in hell. Not a pleasant thought, but could be true. All right. This morning we're continuing on in our study of the book of Mark. We're ready for verses uh, 38 through 41, if you want to stand for the reading of the Word of God. Uh, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name in the next moment... uh, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And this morning uh, we're talking about uh, uh, whoever's not for us is against us. Now, you know, first of all, I think there's a, maybe a little bit of jealousy going on here. The disciples see somebody that wasn't walking with them, wasn't learning directly from Jesus, but yet they're still able to cast out demons. Or they may fear that it's false, that they're doing a false work. But either way, Jesus tells them, no, no, 
if they're casting out demons in my name, (laughs) they're one of us. Leave them alone. How many times have you heard denominational comments? I'm glad I'm not one of them. (laughs) I, I can remember one time at a Christian church, I was visiting. I was not a member there, but I was going with my parents to a picnic. They were having a picnic on a Sunday afternoon, and so I went with my parents, and there was a, they had a nice big backyard, and then there was another big backyard connected to a Baptist church just directly behind that church. And at one point during this picnic, uh, I happened to have a lady talking to me, and she made a comment, boy, I'm glad I'm not going to hell like those Baptists. I said, excuse me. I said, who died and made you judge? (laughs) She said, well, they don't believe right. They don't believe like we do. I said, they believe in Jesus. (laughs) I said, that's right, isn't it? Well, yeah. I said, get over it. (laughs) It doesn't matter what name is on the door. What matters is if they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. The devil is good about stirring up strife in between Christians. We were just talking in Sunday school this morning about an ad that was done during the Super Bowl that was about Jesus, about God. It says, God's got us. There's a lot of Christians that are complaining about that commercial. Wasn't good enough. You know, I don't especially agree with the message that they had in that either, but it's better than nothing. And I suspect that they had great restrictions put on what they could say and could not say. So I think they did the best they could within the limits they were allowed. And when the world sees that these other Christians are complaining about what some other Christians did, what kind of message does that send to the world? Those people don't really believe what they say they believe. Look at how divided they are. They can't even get along with each other. It's a great trick of the devil, folks. I mean, it's one thing when you know that a church has been taken over and turned into a cult (laughs) and and the people are following that man or that woman instead of following Jesus. That's a much different situation. You know they're wrong. You know that they're in trouble. But rather than complain about it, maybe we ought to go minister to them, right? There are a lot of places that I have visited churches and I saw them doing things and saying things that I didn't understand and that I was scared of. I mean, the first time I ever went to one of these Holy Roller Pentecostal churches, I was invited. Uh, there was a, uh, a black man that I worked with at Jimena and he was a pastor of one of these churches and he, he invited me to, to come Worship with them. I said, okay. 
I was scared to death. This preacher walks up, and during the middle of the sermon, he walks up to somebody and says, step out here in the aisle. I step out, touches them on the head, boom, they hit the floor. I'm like, uh-oh, he's pushing people down. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought at the time. I, I, I had never experienced anything like that. And then he did it again and again and again, and then the people get up and they start running around. One little girl just ran right smack dab into the concrete wall, bounced off and turned around and kept going. Didn't even have a place on her head. I was like, what's going on here? And sometimes I still wonder, was that real? Or was it the devil? I don't know. Then they started screaming and yelling in tongues in this church. And I'm like, what? What? I don't understand that language. What are you saying? <laughs> I, I had never experienced anything like that. But they were some of the happiest people I'd ever met. They, when they sang, man, they rocked. <laughs> they had a good, I mean, literally, they rocked. <laughs> and they had a good time. But when you're not familiar with the Spirit and how He works, when times of joy come, it can be frightening because. You've never experienced it before, and you wonder, is that real? People in this current situation of this revival, they say that as soon as you even pass that college, peace comes over you. Even people driving past stop all of a sudden and pull in and go in there. They don't even know why. They're just drawn in by the Spirit because they, they just all of a sudden, they, one, one person said, that they were so angry at, at something that they had just gone through and they were mad and they were thinking how to get even. <laughs> and they drove up next to the college and all of a sudden it just, everything changed. They were at peace. They were happy. And they didn't understand. And they looked and they saw a whole bunch of people and they thought, something's going on here. So they pulled in to go see and they got saved. I mean, come on, it just don't get any better than that. But that's the way God works. That's the way he wants to work. But we often put limits on him. One of the ways we do that is by condemning other Christians that don't do things the same way that we do. Jesus says, if they're doing it in my name, leave them alone and call them your brother and sister. If you find out at some point that they're doing it wrong or, uh, you know, that they're not honoring God, then you can stop and have a talk with them. But until you know that, God says to give them the benefit of the doubt and accept them as your brother or sister. Because you know what? One day, we might just all be together in heaven. Are we still going to plan on fighting there? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't think that it's going to be laid out. You know, I, I realize that the 12 tribes of, of Israel was laid out in 12 divisions, but I don't think it's going to be Presbyterians here, Catholics here, 
uh, Methodist here, Baptist there. You know, I just don't think it's going to be like that, folks. I, you know, when you get together for a big family get-together, let's say you're having a family reunion, I know that there's little cliques, little groups of people who sit together at, at, at this big table, but you're all there together. Even the black sheep, <laughs> if they show up. <laughs> and God is saying, whoever worships me, worship with them. Don't tell them they're wrong. Don't tell them don't do that. Worship with them. Because anyone who does something in his name, he said cannot in the next moment turn around and curse him. Why? Because they love him. They trust him. They put their faith in him. They're not out here for a show for themselves. They're out there doing the work of God, not the work of Mitch or the work of somebody else. They're doing the work of God. You know, I've seen people who have these so-called... Uh, healing ministries but it's unfortunate that some of them take all the glory for themselves that's wrong they make money they make you know big deals and uh, write books and make bunches of money and you know if you're doing it for Jesus there shouldn't be any recognition of you other than you were there and you were the instrument that God used. The glory should go to God. If there's any books written, the glory and the money should go to God. Not to these multi-million dollar homes that some of these pastors own. I just have a problem with that. I'm sorry, I do. Maybe, that's, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but I don't think that that's what God intended. We get our mansion in heaven I don't think we're meant to get it here necessarily. There are people who God has blessed with the ability to make money. But he blesses them with that gift to make money so that they can use it in the ministry of God. Abraham was the most wealthy man in his day. But he helped the needy. He took care of of the widows and the orphans. He took good care of his entire family and his servants. Job was the wealthiest man in his day as well and where he lived. But he did all he could to help everybody. You remember when his friends accused him of some secret sin. You've committed some secret sin. You, you failed to help the orphans and the widows. no. I make their hearts sing. <laughs> in other words, he helps them and fills them with joy. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. I, I don't mean that because God blesses some people with that. But what we do with it matters. Who, no one who does a miracle in my name. Now, I was taught in this restoration movement that miracles like that, like 
that happened in the days of the Bible don't happen anymore today. I'm sorry, that's wrong. They do happen. They do happen every day. They happen. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I know that these miracles, healing miracles, people been raised from the dead. I watched a video uh, that was recorded from a man's phone. Uh, and this man had been partially embalmed even. And his wife kept saying, no, the, the scripture says that he will raise wives, husbands for them. And she clung to that. And they took him to a church where Reinhard Bunke, that was a name I couldn't think of this morning. <laughs> they took him to a church where Reinhard Bunke just happened to be ministering. And they, <laughs> they wouldn't let them bring the casket in because they were, it was in a country where Muslims and Christians don't get along. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They were afraid a bomb was in it. So they made them take the body out of the casket searched the body, and then allowed them to take the body in to the basement. Well, this church happened to have a, a, a group of pastors, and several of the pastors came downstairs, and at first they were thinking, hmm, what are we going to do here? And the woman kept telling them, God is going to raise him from the dead. So they said, okay. And they started praying. And they took cotton out of his nostrils and uh, different things they had to do. Because he was already prepared for burial. And one of the pastors started massaging his hands and his arms. And they started rubbing his chest and praying. And his chest his, starts moving. He starts breathing. And slowly, he starts moving his fingers, his hands, and eventually he gets up out of the, <laughs> off the table where they'd put him, literally out of the coffin. And as soon as he's able to think, he says, where's my file? Where's my file? Where's my file? And they're like, what are you talking about? He had been to heaven <laughs> and his file was his record of his life and they were getting ready to open the book to see what he had done he was a pastor himself he came back to life now some of you may be saying oh that's baloney I don't believe well it's true <laughs> It happens over and over and over and over. He had been dead for how many days, Mark? Three, four, three days? Yeah. So, miracles happen. These were, this was all done in the name of Jesus. Reinhard Bunke, by the way, was preaching upstairs. He had no idea what was going on in the basement. And then all these people start coming up, running, screaming, shouting. And then the man himself comes up and they say, this is the dead body. This is the dead body. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a living, breathing man. <laughs> but he was a dead body. <laughs> so miracles happen, folks. Miracles happen. You know, there's another thing that I've learned that... Uh, 
people want to do is they often say, well, that's the providence of God. Well, there is such a thing as the providence of God. But there's also miracles. And even the providence of God is a miracle. You think about how you're, sometimes you have a shortage of something and it just works out that you get it. You prayed about it. You got an answer. We often do not give God the glory that is due him. When we say that he doesn't do miracles anymore, that's kind of reducing him, putting him in a box and saying, well, you know, that scripture that says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever is not really true. <laughs> God says I changed not. Well, that's not really true either because he, he only did miracles back then. He doesn't do them anymore. We say we believe the word. Which is it? Do we believe the word or are we going to change it? To suit ourselves. I believe what God says. I take him seriously. I'm learning more and more. And you know I just shared an experience with you. That where it scared me. To see God at work. <laughs> I had never experienced anything like that before. Why doesn't it happen here? Well mostly because we don't believe it will. And we don't expect it to happen. That's why. We have limited God by our limited belief in God. If we want more, we have to expect more. You know, there's a verse, I forget where it is. I would have to uh, hunt it. But, but basically what it says is that God wants to give us more than we ask for. We can't even imagine all that God can do. So I want to put another challenge out to this church. We've, I put out the challenge to read the Word of God, and I know that several of you have been doing that, and I praise God for that. But I want to put out another challenge. I want to challenge us to study the miracles that happened in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament, there's miracles. And then pray that God will deepen our faith. You know, there was one miracle where a young boy, a young man, was having seizures. He brought him to the disciples. They couldn't cast the demon out. Jesus comes, talks to the father. How long has he been like this? Since a child. Throws him in the fire, throws him in the water. Foams at the mouth, rolls around on the ground. And then he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus says, if you can. If I can. <laughs> All things are possible to those who believe. That's what Jesus said. All things are possible to those who believe. In other words, if you don't believe it, you're not going to receive it. Now, I'm not saying that every time we ask something, God's going to give it. But I will say this. If we ask for something and we don't really believe that it's going to happen, it won't. It's up to God. 
But we should believe and expect what we pray for to happen. Because if we don't, we're faithless. And God doesn't honor faithlessness, only faithfulness. That father went on to say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And that's a prayer that I think we all could pray honestly. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you for your word that promises so much more than we are willing to receive, than we are willing to expect of you. Lord, we depend upon ourselves way too much and on you not enough. Help us, Lord, to put everything into your hands. Everything to trust you and you alone. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 539. Uh, I'll walk down front, and if you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and, and come as we sing. I can hear
Uh, you may be seated. Let me get my bulletin back out here. Um, you know, that song, if you really think about what's being said, when it says, I'll go with him through the garden. What happened in the garden? He, he suffered. He suffered. Praying, if there be any other way, Father, take this cup from me. But, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And that song, I think what the author had in mind is we need to be willing to suffer a little bit. Because Christ never promised it would be easy. In fact, he said, the more you try to follow me, the more the devil will try to stop you. He didn't say it that, in those words, but that's what it says. So we can expect to be attacked, but just say, Satan, go back to hell where you belong in Jesus' name. Leave me alone. Don't fall for the tricks. Just move on. Move on. All right. Let's see. Prayer request. Uh, let's uh, stand together and I'll pray and then we can sing the song. Y'all can sing without a leader. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father God, uh, we ask that you intervene in all of these cases that have been uh, asked about. Susan Reeves, Jerry Parker. We ask that you be with Bob and with Mike and with Bernice and Leroy. Lord, we just ask that you bless and that you keep them in your grace, in your mercy, in your love. And Lord, if, if they travel, if Bernice and Leroy travel to visit, we pray that you will give them traveling mercies on the road, that you will put a hedge of protection around them, no accidents, uh, nothing bad happened. Just keep them safe. We ask that everyone here, Lord, that you put a hedge of protection around us. That doesn't mean that we won't be attacked by the devil, but it does mean that we have help. So, Lord, help us to be strong in our faith, to stand with you and for you every moment of every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.